Okay, so in your notes, let's go to how to recruit and develop a volunteer team. How to recruit and develop a volunteer team. All right, number number one, before I get to the first point, I, we need to understand when it comes to volunteers and leading volunteers and growing teams is that we don't inherit commitment, we earn it. Right? So you, you don't ever inherit uh, commitment and, and people, you know, OU commitment. No, we earn the right for them to be committed. So, and it's and yet in realizing that we have to realize that it's up to us to get commitment from people. Okay, and it's up to us to get commitment from people. It's not up to them to be committed. It's up to us, and we'll talk about some ways to be able to do that. But it's up to us to get commitment uh, from people. I was mentored um, a number of times by an incredible man named Jack Whitesell. Um, Jack Whitesell was, uh, he was in his 80s, I think, by, by the time that I ended up being mentored by him. I had heard of him and met him a number of times, but he ended up coming and spending a week with, with me when I was pastoring in Okotoks. And uh, Jack was, he passed away, um, it was a while ago now, but when he passed away, uh, he passed away in his 80s on a trip to uh, mentor another pastor and didn't arrive and they found him um, in his hotel room and his bags packed and all the rest of it. And in his, he had a Rolodex and on his phone, he had contact numbers for over 4,000 pastors. Like this dude was, he, he was something else. He pastored, he's, he grew up in, in small town Alberta, Blackie, I think. So real close. But he ended up pastoring a mega church in San Francisco for many years. That's where, that's kind of where he, you go from Blackie to San Francisco. I was like, okay, that's a, that's a leap. And I, I was like, I just wanted to meet him to know that story. Because I was like, wow, that's a big leap. But Jack was, he mentored um, from scratch. He mentored Casey Treat. If you know him, like he, he picked Casey Treat, said, I'm going to mentor you when Casey Treat was just in a youth group. He mentored Leon Fontaine from before he was a senior pastor. He mentored Wayne Cordero um, is another guy that was, he mentored before he was a pastor and into pastoring. And if you don't know who these guys are, Wayne Cordero pastors the largest church in Hawaii, over 14,000 people. Uh, Leon, of course, is, is Springs Church um, and largest church in Canada uh, at one point. And then uh, Casey Treat pastors a mega, mega church in Seattle. And so Jack is, when he talks, you listen. And he was an amazing guy because the moment I picked him up at the airport, he sat down and um, he, he gets into my car and he starts peppering me with questions. And we were like, it was work questions. Like I'd take him to lunch and he was teaching me something. And I've got pages and pages and pages still of notes of things that he taught. Some of what I'm going to teach you in, in a moment here is stuff that I learned in conversations with Jack over on, on how church works and volunteers work, and, and just a brilliant, brilliant man. He's actually the guy responsible for introducing me to Leon Fontaine and, and how we became friends. And he's like, you sound a whole lot. Have you ever met uh, Leon? He's like, you sound a whole lot like him. And I was like, my voice is... The... Anyway, um, no, but, but I was like... <laughs> But I was like, he says, how you communicate? He says, you sound a lot like Leon. He says, you got to meet him. And, and I was like, okay. So he gets him on the phone, and he hooks us up in coffee meeting and the rest of history. Um, but Jack is amazing. But he said this. In one of his teachings, he said, for every volunteer that functions effectively in the church, you have the ability to properly pastor and minister to six to eight people. For every one volunteer that functions healthily in, in 
properly in a church, you have the ability to minister effectively to six to eight people. Okay, six, not 68, six to eight. Okay, so when you take that in perspective of, you know, my city care and the number of people that you guys minister to, we need more volunteers. When we get into the church world and we're growing church, we need more volunteers. So let's learn how to recruit and develop volunteer teams. Number one, precise identification of who fits where. Okay, so precise identification of who fits where. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, uh, Paul talks about, you know, the body of Christ. And he, let, he likens the church to the human body and saying every part of our human body has a function. It has a role to play. And he says you can't have, you know, the, the, your, your toe say to your hand, you're not, you're not doing it right. Like each part has, has a part to play. Your ear can't tell your hand what it's doing. He says each part has a play. In, in the church... Every person has a unique gift that contributes to the, to the whole. What, you need to, what we need to be able to do is to precisely identify where they fit. So how do we do that? Well, we can do that through trial and error by just saying, hey, start here. And if you're not sure where your gifts are, where your talents are, you're not sure where your passions are then why don't you start you know, in the host team and try that. And if, you know, if, you're, if that's not a natural fit for them, then hey, let's try this. Whenever we recruit a volunteer, it's never a lifetime sentence or you know, a lifetime commitment to a, a cause. Like We don't do you know, what um, it, we're tempted to do and saying, hey, you want to be in, we need somebody in preschool ministry and someone's like, well, you know, I'll help. And then they volunteer, and then we put them in the room, lock the door, <laughs> see you later. Like, you're on your own. Like, good luck. Have fun with that. Thanks for doing that. We don't have a need anymore. We don't, we don't do that. We precisely identify um, who fits where. Like, we, 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 don't admit, uh, we don't fill needs. We empower people in their, in their gifts. What I was shocked to know is that there's actually people who enjoy finances and books like, and reading spreadsheets. I'm like, there's people that like that. I, you imagine my relief when I was like, there's people that like, I didn't feel like I was sentencing somebody to, to, you know, to a death sentence saying, like, there's people like Deb, like, they, they, she, like, she likes that. I was like, great. I don't like that. That is good. There's actually people who who want to work with, you know, grade six kids like. Awesome. God bless you. Like there's people that enjoy like awesome. So if you find somebody that's passionate about something, most likely what they're passionate about is going to be their gift. But if they're not sure what they're passionate about, experiment around and they'll find something that makes them come alive and they're excited to be a part of and contributing a precise identification who fits where. The other thing is use, you know, you know, personality tests and gifting tests and strengths tests and you can you can give them opportunities but also test them and know what personalities work. That if you sentence, for instance, if you want, you know, a seven, you want some greeters, sevens enjoy people and meeting new people. They're, they're exactly what you want. You, you don't want, you know, people who are, you know, at the greeting at the front door who don't like people. Like, and fours probably aren't the greatest fit at, you know, because they're going to wear their emotions on their sleeve. 
And so they'll be good for one Sunday, and then the next Sunday, it's good to know. We all have our strengths, okay? And we don't typically want, you know, uh, fives to be on the music team. That's like... They're going to be too detailed. The fours you want. There's different places, different creative places where the, where you want people to be um, and have people fit where they, they fit. Precise identification of who fits where. Number two is identify who will do the winsome recruiting of the right people. So identify on the team who is going to be responsible for the winsome recruiting of the right people. And what I need to emphasize in this, especially in church world, and this goes in the business world too, but but it is not good to, it's not, you know, in the business world, we take out ads and saying, help wanted, you know, take out, that is not as effective, right? Because, I mean, you'll get a myriad of people looking for stuff and you, that's not as effective as having somebody personally recruit on your, who's currently on your team responsible for that and finding the right fit and the right person and the right, that's always more effective. In the church, how we do the help wanted sign is we say to the pastor, I need more help in the, you know, the kids ministry. Can you got to tell the congregation, you got to tell them that they need to volunteer. Okay. I, I, I did that for a while and then realized it doesn't work. Like it doesn't work and there might be somebody who feels guilted into that and that person we don't want back there. Like, I mean, you, know, you don't want to be ministering with their kids if they're feeling like it's a death sentence to do that. Like we want to have people that are responsible for doing the winsome recruiting of the right people, right? So you have a conversation with somebody and somebody on the team and the whole team can be responsible for recruiting, but somebody that's going to be you know, in charge of, but you have somebody in the team who has conversations with people. So people on the music team tend to be approached on Sundays by musicians. Man, you guys sounded really good. That was awesome. I love how you play the guitar. Oh, really? And like, don't just leave it at that. Just say, oh, you, you like guitar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you play guitar? Yeah. R- really? Right? Have we got a plan? Oh, I don't know. And they always do that, especially the musicians. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that. I'm not that I don't know. I'm not that good. I, you know, that's, okay, well, let's find out. We have an addition process. Why don't you come and try to send us in a tape? And this, this is the process and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's just it's it's recruiting is one on one. That way is way more effective. You get parents who, who love kids and you watch as they, you know, hang out, people that are hanging around the kids area and they're, they're really good with kids. You see that in the, in the congregation, they're really good with kids and kids are attracted to them. And all this. You go, hey, you know what? I noticed you're really, you're really good with kids and kids really like you. Like, hey, we, do you want to help us with? And you, you start with doing recruiting one-on-one. Host teams, you see the people that are people and they're, People, people, and they're happy, and they're laughing, and they're everywhere they go. It's just like there's a party happening going, hey, you got a gift we need. Like, why don't you come and join our team? Like, man, I love what you do and how you do it. Like, so recruiting is always best one-on-one, and so identify who's going to do that, or, or, and then train your team on how to recruit. Number three, in that recruiting, it leads us to this, in quotations, is show me the difference I can make by getting involved. Okay, so don't just say, you know, we need help with, or don't just say, um, you know, you're, I see you're not doing anything in the church. You should probably do something. Not the best way to recruit. Like, 
Okay, that's not that's not how we that's not how we roll. How we roll is is show like how people want to know. People want to make all of us have this desire to make a difference. We want to make a difference, and we want to know that what we're doing is making a difference. So show me how I'm making a difference. Use testimonies and and stories. So in the kids ministry, tell the story of the crying baby that was taken care of. And while that was you were taking care of that crying baby, the mom got saved on Sunday and and she wouldn't have if she had to be out taking her. You know, tell the story about the. You know, the, the person in youth group that came in suicidal and ended up giving their life to Jesus and, and life transformed and changed. Like, I mean, tell all tell these stories that go on like in, in music team and, and what happened because, you know, because we, the impact we made in the worship and someone connected with with God in a new way. And, you know, we saw this, you know, it's just so satisfying to see somebody that was that's not a worshiper like hands were raised on Sunday like like look at this and go like we're con- people are connecting with God and da, da, da. like whatever your you know host team I mean I had a great incredible conversation with somebody who's too scared to come into the into the church they were in the parking lot and we saw that we went out there and had a conversation with them and da, da, da. and man we invite them in and it, whatever the story might be show me the tell stories like that show me the difference I can make when I when I'm going to be in kids ministry, when I'm going to be in the media team, when I'm going to be on, what kind of difference can I make? And if I, the clearer we are, and the difference we're going to make, and, and you know, as the leader, come up with language that you can train your team to use, but show us the difference that we're going to make uh, if we're joining the team. Number four, purpose above need. Okay, so purpose above need. We again, we're not going to recruit. By need. While we really need, like it doesn't work, we really need someone to take care of the kids. We really need, you know, a musician on like on here. Like that doesn't drive people, is is purpose drives people. Like we need to be clear on the why, clear on the purpose. The motivation is not gonna be filling a need. Like I'm filling a space that like how many want to do that? You're like, sign me up, I want to fill a space. Like that's that's not motivating, at least not for long. But you show me a purpose, and you show me a difference I can make, and the purpose in, in being involved, man, I'm there. So just state the purpose. State the purpose of your company. State the purpose of, your, of the church, of your department, of what my city care does. State the purpose. Not, not the need that we have on the team, but this is the difference we're making as an organization. This is our purpose. This is what we're trying to do, and you get to be a part of it. Come be a part of our team. If we're clear on the purpose, then it's, it's something to be excited about. Number five, and this is huge, <laughs> huge, um, a positive atmosphere from current volunteers. Okay, nothing is more repulsive to joining a team. Nobody wants to join a losing team. Like nobody's like, hey, I want to, you know, you can see these guys who get drafted first overall. and They're like, yay. I'm, I'm the best, and now I go to the worst. It's like some of them, there's actually been a number of the sports drafts and NFL drafts where players who got drafted first overall uh, said, no, I'm not playing for you. Okay. Nobody wants to be part of a losing team. So if everyone comes, if all of your volunteers come out of kids' ministry on Sunday morning looking like they just went through the, the ringer, right? And they're also like, and, and I mean, listen, don't do this as a leader. Don't do this as like, today was crazy. Like, if it was, you go tell your leader, like, okay, like, this, it was a little nuts. We're going to need some help on this, but you save it. Like, you, like listen, you come out and you don't think anybody's watching and people are coming out. It's like, oh, oh, 
oh, like that was crazy. Right? Like we no no no. We don't we don't do that. Or like or or when you know in Lethbridge when we have you know multiple services and it's like what's it like to be in a volunteer? It's like, oh I had to work two services. Oh, it was just so oh my goodness, it's just it's such a long day. Do you want to join? Yeah. No. Right? Because what's gonna help not have to volunteer for two services, more volunteers. Right? And so if they're looking at the pain all over your face, they're, and they're going to go, I, do I want to do that? Is that going to be me? No. Right? Do we have to set up, tear down? It's like, yeah. Is it hard work? Yeah. But man, we have, we have coffee together. We have so much fellowship. We have fun together. And we start laughing. And man, I, I would miss us if we weren't able to do this because we get to be with it. It's just so much fun. You got to come. That I want, I, really, we can hang out and we're laughing and we're having fun. And, and that you want to be there and you're excited to be there. I want to be there too. It's like, oh, it's just so hard. Yeah, I'm busy this Sunday. All right. So. So, I mean, and train your volunteers. Hey, we're excited. Like, we need more people. We can talk and complain in our small groups, and we can figure that in our small team meetings and all the rest of it. But, hey, but otherwise, no, no, no. We're excited to be here, the difference we get to make, and, we're, and the fun that we're having. So positive atmosphere from current volunteers is a huge factor in people want to be a part of a winning team. So it's a huge factor in recruiting. Number six is effective equipping of the recruited. This one gets missed so much in volunteer organizations. And the reason being is because when we think that volunteers are somehow lesser creatures than staff. Not the case. Volunteers are staff. Okay, and you're at an all-staff meeting, and not all of you in here are paid staff, and most of you don't know who is and who isn't. Like, that's just, that's just the nature of how we do things. There's, being a volunteer is not that. So what I, why I say that is if we treat volunteers like they're lesser than, we're going to have problems. Volunteers aren't lesser than. They're greater than. In, in any, like, we can't survive without having volunteers. But for some reason, we know, intuitively, we know that if we hire a new staff member, we should probably train them. However, we recruit a volunteer and we forget the training part. And this is what frustrates volunteers more than anything is that they come in and you're like, I signed up to be in preschool. All right. okay, great. You're awesome. And you shove me in the room, you slam the door and you're like, and then you're like, what do I do with them? Figure it out. You hear as you're, they're running down the hall, leaving you there like, uh, you'll figure it out. No, 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 no. Wait, like we, re- we train and equip. Equip means simply skill develop. We skill develop all of our hosts. This is what to say, what not to say. This is how to say conversations and not to say how to engage. This is how to disengage in conversations. This is how to engage conversations. We, you know, this is where you stand. This is where you not stand. This is where, like, we don't point people where to go. We walk them there. Like, all the little, whatever it might be, this is how we do things around here. In kids' ministry, we're excited about this. So this is where we greet the kids. This is what we do. This is, here's the curriculum, and here's how you run it, and this is what you teach, and this is what you don't teach, and, and do it this way, and not this way, and here's some, here's a book that you should read, and here's some videos that you can watch on how we do things like whatever it might be effective equipping because nobody likes to be doing something they don't feel like they're equipped for or that they've been they've been trained for 
right? If we have to figure it out, like that's not, that's not the greatest thing. So we want to get to the place where we're equipping, skill developing our volunteers and, and walking with them. Don't just, don't just, hey, you're on the team now, you can figure it out. No, walk with them. You know, even the musicians that are on stage and stuff like this, hey, let's train you, let's equip you on how to on, on how to practice and how we practice and what we do and where we set up and wh- where you plug in and, and this is how the, the in-ear system works and this is the equipment that you're going to need and here's this app and like what we need to do and this is how, let's walk them through planning center and how we organize planning center and this is how you sign up and this is how you, if you're not able to sign up, how you decline and your responsibility if you decline. All these things are, are massively important than just saying, hey, show up on Sunday and, and play. Like there's lots that we need to do. Here's how to rehearse and where to rehearse and where you can find opportunities to rehearse and all that kind of stuff. And here's the parts, all the rest of it. Like effective equipping of the recruited makes people feel a whole lot more confident that they can do a good job. And that's really what all of us want to do, isn't it? It's a good job. So let's help us do that. Right? Effective equipping of the recruited. Number seven is high motivation of the equipped. Okay, so high motivation of the equip. So when we equip them, you've got to keep them motivated, not just skill develop, keep them motivated. So here's how to, how to keep a team highly motivated. And, and Andy Stanley talks about this and how to make vision stick, but this, this is really, really, really works well with a team and defining it. How to keep people motivated is number one, is clearly define the problem your team is solving. Okay, you clearly define the problem. If you don't know what the problem is your team is solving, that's a problem, right? Um, you need to find out and saying, okay, what's our role? So clearly define the problem that the music team is solving. What's the problem that the music team is solving? And if you're not sure what that is, I'll give it to you. That people are battling, spiritually battling life and society and the negativity. And I am tired and you're tired. We're all tired of turning on the news week after week and hearing horrific events and craziness that's going on in the world. And it's discouraging. It's disheartening and, and all that. When we get into worship, the problem we're solving is discouragement, disenchantment, like fear, all these kind of stuff. And we're, our problem we're solving is we're bringing, we're bringing encouragement. We're bringing hope. And we're recentering people on Jesus and that they can make it through their week. That's the problem we're solving. What are we trying to do? We're trying to pull people out of their discouragement and put courage back in. And, and we can work. Like, there's a problem we're called to solve. The clearer you can define that, right, then we're going to put joy in. So we're going to express, if we know that we're, the problem we're trying to solve is discouragement and, and joy is strength and people are disheartened and, and tired and st- they need strength. We need joy. So guess what? Man, I love the way that Brian did this one. Like, he, he, there's so much energy there. You can't help. You can't help but being drawn in when you're that excited. I'm excited. Like, why is he that excited? He's got something to be excited about. I'm going to be, I'm going to be excited too. And you know, all the distractions, I'm going to be anchored in. I want that joy too. So this is why we're expressive because the problem we're trying to solve is, this is why we're passionate because the problem we're trying to solve is, you know, you know discouragement and, and, and weakness and people are tired, all that kind of stuff. And we're, are, what we're trying to solve. What's the problem we're trying to solve in kids ministry? What's the problem that uh, my city care, the different programs are trying to, this is the problem we're trying to solve. And this is why we're trying to do it. And, and even with the, the Cinderella project, the way we're doing it, we're not just handing out dresses and tuxes. We're doing it with dignity. And we're doing it in such a way that they're not feeling less than. 
and that they're, that they're less than because they can't afford it or that we're, try, we're doing it with dignity and we're doing it with honor and we're making them feel like a million bucks and we're celebrating them as much as just, here's your tux, here's your, you know, like none of that stuff. And, we're, and this is why we do it. We'll explain the problem, you know, and, the, and some of the insecurities that these kids have and that they've battled with their entire lives and that they have not and all the different things that that's led to define that problem and saying this is the problem we're trying to solve. It gives purpose now and motivation of and passion of what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. So the clearer you can define the problem, the better. Then number two is what's the solution? Like define the problem, then what's the solution? Our solution is we're going to do, you know, in my city care, we're going to do one-on-one events. We're going to take them shopping one-on-one. We're providing dignity, right? And shop of wonders. Well, it could be a lot more efficient if we didn't have to do it one-on-one. Yes, but our problem we're trying to solve is, is the lack of dignity. And we're not trying to, you know, we could put more people through, but we want to do it right with dignity, Right, and we'll find ways to, to solve those other problems there. But would define the problem that we're trying to solve, and then what is the solution? What is the, what is the solution that we're going to do? That don't. This is the mistake that leaders make. Leaders make a mistake where they offer the solution before defining the problem, and sometimes we give answers to questions that nobody's asking. So you have to first, in order to keep them motivated, you have to first be clear on the problem, but then two, be clear on the solution, and then number three is. Why us? Why we're called to do that? Like, why, why are we called to be, to be the solution? Like, why us? And then fourthly, why now? Why do we need to offer this now? And this is how to keep a team motivated. You know, clearly defined problem, the, the clear solution. Why us? Why now? And, and then it, part of the motivation is that when you, someone offers the solution and does it in the right way, celebrate it. Celebrate your victories, right? And, and champion that. And that's why we start each of our team meetings with, hey, what's the win? What's the win this week? Like, what did you win? What did you, what's the win this week? You, you do that because we celebrate it and going, what shows that we're on track and we're, we're offering solutions to, to the problems that are in society? And then that, that's, it's motivating. It's like, man, I want to do, do that too. That's great. So celebrate victories. Simon Sinek said this, when people are financially invested, they want to return. When people are emotionally invested, they want to contribute. When people are financially invested, they want to return. When people are emotionally invested, they want to contribute. All right, number eight is this, the fitted deployment of the motivated. The fitted deployment of the motivated. The emphasis on this one is the fitted. So again, don't just recruit somebody and saying, hey, welcome to the team, and you're on your own. We haven't equipped you. We haven't trained you and all the rest of it. The fitted. Here's what you need to do, which is vital. That's something that we often overlook is assign them to someone to work with. Like Show them the fit on the team, who they're working with, who they're reporting to, um, and, and, you know, link them to their team and to their supervisors. Okay, so it's fitted so that they know who to go to if they have a problem or if they have questions and who they're working alongside with and where they report and how they report and what, and what that all looks like. So make sure that you introduce them to the right people and the right connections and make sure that that is, that is clear. The fitted deployment of the motivated. Number nine is the regular supervision of the deployed. 
Another thing that's often missed in, in volunteers because they're just volunteers, so we can't correct them. And if we correct them, they might not come back. Listen, they don't come back because they don't know if they're doing a good job or not doing a good job. They, they, they're not being supervised, and we're not, we're not showing them, hey, you could do it this better if we do it this way. Or People want to do the best and know that they're doing the best. So we need to, the constant supervising of the, of the employee is so, so vital. So we need the regular supervision of the employee. So here's, here's an easy way to, you know, supervise some of the volunteers that we have around us is ask them this question. You know, what's the best thing that happened in this week, you know, in the kids' ministry? Like, if you're volunteering the kids, what's the best thing that happened in kids' ministry this week? You know, ask them that question. What's the best thing that happened on the host team this week? What, what's the best thing that happened on, you know, in the music team this week? What's the best thing that happened my city care? Like, what's the best thing that happened this week? Ask them that question. And you'll, they'll start telling stories, and you'll be able to get insight. Um, then you can ask them questions like this. If you could change one thing about the meeting, or if you could change one thing about, you know, how it went this week, what would it be? You know, and, and supervision, when you ask some of these questions, supervision is just simply staying in touch. And from the top down, it's just saying, hey, I, you know, we're staying in touch and I just want to know I'm invested. I want to know how you're doing and how it's going. And when you hear somebody saying, oh, man, I, I, we need this and we could use that. And man, if we could help, get help with this, this would, you know, then then respond. Right. Have have a response to that. OK. Um, supervision, by the way, is initiated by the, the leader. Don't wait for the, your team to come to you. Supervision is initi initiated by the leader. People do what they are led to do. All right. Minimize. Here's a big one. Minimize the number of meetings while optimizing the communication. So all of your communication doesn't have to be in a meeting. Your communication can happen in a report and just saying, hey, if you fill out this, you know, these five questions at the end of each service and just, you know, send it on in this drive and whatever it might be, just if you can just fill this out, then it'll, it'll initiate, that's not the only conversation we're going to have, but it'll initiate the conversations that we can have that they know that they're, they're being cared for and being observed. Number 10, the creative rewarding of the productive. Okay, the creative rewarding of the pr productive. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Okay, it works with your dog. It also works with people. Right? What gets rewarded gets repeated. It works with your children, right? Sometimes? No, yep, yeah, sometimes. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Um, here, here's something to keep. Volunteers don't work, uh, don't get paid. Volunteers don't get paid, but they don't work for free. Okay, volunteers don't get paid, but they don't work for free. So, in that, have a plan to reward the productive. And, and here's the thing as a leader. Catch them doing something right, and then reward them. So, do periodical rewarding. So, periodical rewarding is basically put into your schedule, like, I want to periodically reward. I want to find a way, like to do a team. We're going to take the team out for for you know pizza. We're going to do whatever. We're going to do bring something in. We're going to do something to celebrate the team. And just saying, you guys are amazing. So appreciate you. So love this team. Let's go hang out. That's just that's a simple little periodic. We're going to do that quarterly, whatever it might be. We're going to periodically reward 
that one of the other things that we've done, and we've done this for, for years, is that each one of the campuses, um, how many of you have ever gotten a card from me? Like most of the, look at most of the people in the room. <laughs> See? Um, and you're here. But it, so what we did, what we've done, this is part of the periodic rewarding, is I know, I know that without you, like without our volunteers, without you representing, I know that we can't do multiple campuses, we can't grow a church. Like without volunteers, we've, we've got nothing. So I instruct like our, our campus pastors and, and administrators, I was like, catch people doing something right. And if somebody stands out to you, send me those names and give me detail. I want to know what they did and when they did it and why. And then I celebrate it, and then I write a little card and say, hey, thank you so much for da-da-da-da, and all the rest of it. And then there's many, there's people that I've heard that have taken those cards, they frame them, hang them on their fridge, and it means that much. And, and it's something that I just did weekly. I was like, get all these cards and get a stack of cards, and I was like, Whoop. And I'd make the time, I didn't always have the time, but make the time to be able to handwrite them out and do this because periodic reporting. Because it's just a simple, it's a simple little thing. Just to say thank you, it means, like, it means a lot, doesn't it? Just to hear thank you is like, wow. And, and part of that is just, that's part of rewarding. Volunteers don't get paid, but they don't work for free. Okay, creative rewarding. This, this might be, this creative, like it doesn't take, it doesn't get, need to be expensive. It does, but find ways to be creative and to creatively reward, right? And know what the likes and dislikes are and, and different things, right? So I know that, that Pastor Heidi loves Reese's. Yes. I know that, right? So I know she loves Reese's. So there were many times where I was like, oh man, what I, I had her working really hard on this kind of stuff. And I, would, and I was like, whew, this is, this, is, this is tough. And this is, she's going way above and beyond. So I would, you know, I'd pick up Reese's. Pieces and I just kind of walked by her office and just kind of slide it on the desk and was like, "Thank you, you're amazing." Right? And, just, and and then her love language is Reese's Pieces. I, I knew that. Like I, I would know that. I guess I was like, it's just a reward and saying thank you, just a little thing. If you know likes and dislikes, other people just find creative ways to reward, uh, appropriately reward. Right, we got to be appropriately rewarding. We got to be, um, you know, make, inappropriate rewarding is is awkward and it's it's backfires. And so we need to we need to know, right? So like, just appropriately reward. Don't, you know, and, and again, when you reward, um, some is private rewarding, some is public rewarding. Right, but but be be very intentional about how you publicly reward and how you privately reward. Again, I, I prefer that we reward teams publicly, individuals privately. Okay, if you in, if reward just individuals publicly, and sometimes it warrants that that needs to happen. Um, and so I'm not saying this is a hard and fast rule. Never reward an individual publicly, but I I don't know about you. The whole culture that came through the 80s and 90s and in some of you are too young to remember all that stuff. But the, the, you know, the staff of the week, and that was a big thing, and they would reward the staff member of the week. That, like as intentional as that is, and it's going to motivate our team. It actually demotivates most, right? Because people are like, that guy got rewarded. Like, he, 
does he not know what he does? Like he, he, he's a brown noser. He doesn't do what he does. And he does all this kind of stuff and doesn't know. But when the boss is not there, this goes on. And it's like, I do way better. I've done more work. All this kind of stuff. And you sit there and going like, what? How come not me? And, what are, and it, it, it demotivates the team sometimes when we reward individuals. If you reward a team, then the team's like, oh, that's good. Like sometimes we need to do that. Reward the team. Uh, or, uh, but... You know, and reward individually, privately, if there's if that warrants it as well, and then reward with leadership training, right? We re- reward with resources that are going to help make them better, make the team better. So reward is is hey, like come to this conference with me, right? Uh, or reward is hey, here's a book I bought for you, and here's you know here's um, whatever some resource or something that training here's a Here's a you know video that I purchased for you. Or here's a course I purchased for you. Whatever I think this is this is going to be, and it makes sure it's appropriate, not appropriate. And going, you know, um, you know, idiot's guide to is probably not the best book. <laughs> you know, <laughs> idiot's guide to greeting this. I got a book for you. Like no no, like I mean, <laughs> but I may reward and say like saying man I when we get resources and know who who reads and who doesn't. And what to do and how to do that, like, and reward. So there's, like, many of you around the room, I bought you books, and it wasn't an insult. It was like, it was like oh, man, I wanted to read this. This is great. Thank you. Like, it's, it's intentional. It's not, like, meant to be an insult, right? So it's, it's meant to be a reward. Number 11 is ongoing enrichment of the productive worker. Okay? Ongoing enrichment of the productive worker. What do I mean by this is the tendency for all of us as leaders is to is to pay the most attention to the weakest links. And if we feel like if we can pull the weakest links up, then the team will get better. That's not the truth. The truth is we as leaders should ongoingly enrich our best. And we should invest in invest our most time in our best and enrich them and make them better. Okay, so here's, here's an acronym for you. Just give your best to your best. Like, just like give your best to your, your, your best and increase their capabilities and capacity and skills. You give your best to the best, it'll pull not just them, but it'll pull everybody else up as well. It just has that effect. Or it'll pull everybody else up and expose the weak link, and the weak link will quit. And that's not always a bad thing. Right? Sometimes people are blessing when they come, and sometimes, come on, people are blessing when they go. Right? But if you pay all of your attention, listen, what it communicates to you, if you pay all your attention to your weak link, your time as the leader, and you think, well, I'm just, who am I? I'm nobody. Like, your time as a leader and where you invest your time as a leader is, is a reward in and of itself. And the entire team pays attention to who you're spending time with and not spending time with. And if they see you spending all the time with the weak links and all the rest of it, they're, they're like, well, I want to have that time with them. I want, I want to be with them, too. And, and they'll see, like, they'll bring their level, un, sub, unconsciously sometimes, they'll bring their level down a bit. If you invest in your best, people will kind of naturally want to be pulled up. All right. A couple quotes as we close is this. Um, Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said this. He said, a leader is best when people barely knows he exists. 
A leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say, we did it ourselves. A leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say, we did it ourselves. Navy SEAL Commander Rich Devani said this, Great leaders want the people in their span of care to gain competence and experience so that they may one day lead. I would often tell my junior officers that they had to be willing to accept what I call the irony of leadership. If you do your job correctly, you will work yourself out of a job. Great leaders build other leaders. If you do your job correctly, you will work yourself out of a job. Great leaders build other leaders. Our mission is submission, right? We lead from encouraging and building up. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader. 